Hello and welcome to another episode of I Love This, You Should Too. It's a podcast where we talk about movies and such. Last time, my lovely co-host, Samantha Whistlin' Dixie Hees, <laughs> brought the movie Gone with the Wind to me, Indy the Southern Belle Randella. Why are you the Southern Belle? Okay, you can be a Southern Belle. I want to be the Southern Belle. Okay, Samantha, Southern Belle, he's... Indy, Southern Belle, Randall. <laughs> Indy, burning down the house, Randall. <laughs> Literally. Uh, so she got me to watch Gone with the Wind, and now we're here to talk about it. Right here. Yeah. How you doing, Sam? I'm good. I'm good. What you drinking? I am drinking a Kitty Cat Blues Black Raven Pale Ale. Mmm. From Washington? Yes, from Washington. Um, I believe you got this for Christmas. It's from Black Raven Brewing Company in Redmond, Washington. Yum, yum. How is it? Um, It's good. It's not super hoppy. It's quite tasty. Now I'm going to try some of Sam's because this go. is riveting, not television, podcasting. podcasting. This is what you all came for. It was pretty nice. Yeah, it's not super hoppy or anything. It's just very flavorful. Mm-hmm. So, Indy, how are you doing this week? <laughs> I am uh, super sleepy, and I've kind of forgotten this movie, so I'm really kind of thinking about it now. Do you want to go back and watch it again? No, dear God, no. It's so long. (laughs) But we've attempted to record this episode. This was our fourth time. Was it? So I was ready a while ago, and I feel like I'm getting less and less ready each time, because I'm forgetting a lot of stuff about it. It's so long, too, and it's not like there's a lot of characters, but it's easy to get mixed up. Yes. But are you ready to get into things? I am. So, Indy, the pivotal question. I love this. Did you? Not really, no. What? <laughs> no, I didn't like oh, it. Of course not. This one, I was like really trying to like. Because I thought, this, if anything that you bring, this is going to be the one that I'm going to love. Because it's kind of, it's an important film to filmmakers. Yes. It's important in the history of film. Yes. So I thought even if there's things that I don't like, I'm going to be really impressed and be like, wow, that was pretty awesome. Maybe I'm going to have to like listen to how you talk about it a bit because I'm I'm conflicted about it. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's not like I hated it and this is a garbage movie, but I clearly didn't love it. And like I'm conflicted and it's not necessarily about like the racial stuff or the representations of women, but I feel like I'm missing something. Oh, okay. Because this is regarded by so many people as one of the best movies ever made. And I don't quite get it. So maybe you can convince me through our little conversation here. Absolutely. I think um, this kind of reinvigorated why I like it so much. I will acknowledge that there is some problematic stuff if you look at it through, like, a 2019, or I guess it's 2020, a 2020 lens. Um, It is quite a problematic movie. But if you think about it in 1936 terms, like when it came out, I think it's a little bit more forgiven back then. Well, of course. Yeah. But I think it's probably quite problematic in 1939 terms. Yes. Like for them, I think there's a lot of sketchy stuff. We'll get into that. We will talk about that because I do have some thoughts on that. Should we just jump right in? Sure, like, let's start off, I think, with this grand proclamation at the beginning. Yes. And that is where my problems started. Okay. Well, first of all, you get to sit through, like, 25 minutes of opening credits. Mm-hmm. And then we get this... Well, that's because uh, there were no finishing credits. Yeah, good, because... Because you'd be asleep by then. Yes. 
<laughs> I stayed awake for the whole thing. You did. That's something. Did you? Yeah. You did your nails during it. Though. I did my nails during it. I was busy. <laughs> yeah. So it starts off with um, this kind of printed narration, these opening titles, and it gives us all of these unquestioned assumptions, which I was like, wait a minute, let's go back to that. Because it says all these things that like, this is how it is, right? And no, that's not how it is. So I actually wrote it down here. It says, there was a land of cavaliers and cotton fields called the Old South. Here in this pretty world, gallantry took its last bow. Here was the last ever to be seen of knights and their ladies fair, of master and slave. Look for it only in books, for it is no more than a dream remembered, a civilization gone with the wind. And that's pretty fucked up right there. It's saying like, wasn't it awesome? Remember when there were slaves? That was cool, huh? You know what? There's no one polite after the South. That was the only time people were nice to each other. And... I just want to put up my hand and go like, no, wait, excuse me. That's that's not right. That's the world you're dropped into right away. So the author has said that this book was based on kind of the ideal South that people from the South would kind of like tell tall tales of this time that was so gallant and wonderful and calm and serene before the war, um, which like she had acknowledges that it never really existed it's more of like a fairy tale but going into like well the authors walked this back a little bit that doesn't matter because what's on the screen is what matters okay i can't go and ask someone to justify each thing Uh all i'm seeing on the screen is like remember this that was great huh and it's going to present a very uh, sentimental view of the south and of the civil war yes and it's sentimental for something that never happened is what it is Uh It's like that whole, let's make America great again thing. When was the time that it was great? It's this false sentimentality. And I'm not even just upset about that in like, hey, I'm against slavery. I'm upset about that as a very cheap way to win an audience over in a film. To say like, things used to be great, they're not anymore, huh? Now those darkies can vote. Actually, they probably couldn't at this point still. I don't think so. No. So like, I got that. This was just, it was a very big genre of the time. And books were being written about it. And this one was the one that just happened to be made into a movie. And I think that, like, while I'm not making excuses for it, I think this was just very of the time. Well, it's of our time, too. Mm -hmm. The idea of saying, like, things were great in the past when, in fact, they weren't is something that's that's very common then and now. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll never fully understand the American view of the Civil War. Because we're Canadians and we don't have that kind of inherent in us. But the South's view, many people in the South, their view of the Civil War is so bizarre. Like you don't have anyone who's saying, who's on the British side of the Revolutionary War. You don't have people saying like, oh, redcoats all the way. (laughs) You don't have people flying British flags and saying like, oh no, like, well, in my heart, I still believe that we are all British. We all agree that like, yeah, the USA came out of defeating the Brits and like that made us strong. But the United States of America came from defeating the Confederacy. Mm -hmm. So why is cheering for the Confederacy now not treason? Like, what's the difference? It's a good point. I never quite understood it. And like, I'm sure someone from Georgia will explain it to me because they still fly the Confederate flag. Oh, I know. I know. 
And like, I mean, at their state building. At their state building? Yeah. What? Yeah. See? See? See, so I You lost it, the war. I thought it was just like racists who flew the Confederate flag. It is. That's why it's at the state building. Oh, Ba-dum-bum. good Lord. Okay. Um. Well, I just learned something. But I definitely thought that it was just like white supremacists and like. Yeah, it is. That's why it's in the state building. Oh my building. God. Okay. Okay. We get it. <laughs> Remember, you have family who lives in Georgia. Yeah, and I'm sure they're more torn up about that than I am. I know. About the the prevalence of the Confederate flag. But it just seems very strange to me that you can be... Everyone agrees that we're all Americans were on the winning side of the Revolutionary War, but then they felt that they're still on the losing side and haven't been absorbed into the Union now? I don't know. Like, I'm sure so many people... But they're literally in the middle of the Union. Yeah. It's all the union. It's all the union. They won. Yeah. It's over. It's not going to rise again. I'm telling you. (laughs) The Confederacy is not going to win. It's not happening. The South won't rise again. But why is there not people who are just still like, still loyalists to the British? That seems just as legitimate. Yeah, why not? Fair. It's just as legitimate as being a Confederate. Probably less destructive than the white supremacists. Yeah, probably. All right, well, we kind of got a... That was a little tangent. (laughs) So let's go back to the beginning of the movie. Okay. The first thing that got me was how affected the acting is. There's nothing naturalistic about anyone in this. No. Nobody actually talks like that. They're doing a very theatrical kind of reading. And in the first five minutes, you get like 94 different accents. Everyone has a different accent. It's true. None of them are Southern. No, there's no real like Southern accent. I think it's until we see Rhett that we actually get like a real... An American. Like a real American Southern accent. I don't even know if he has a Southern accent. He has an American accent at least because what's her name? Lee, Vivian, Janet. Vivian... And Janet Lee was from Psycho. Yes, and such? it was okay, I get them mixed up a lot. Vivian Lee's British. Yes, and she was one of fourteen hundred people who were auditioned for this role. Fourteen hundred. Fourteen hundred. That's just. And she that's... wasn't cast until they'd already started filming. Isn't that so indicative of the movie? Like, yeah, you could have had twelve, and you would have been five. But this movie's like, no, just fourteen hundred people. We need to see fourteen hundred yeah. people. That's too many. Uh, Selznick refused to film any of her scenes, which set back production. Because he hadn't found the Scarlet yet. And he was firing directors left and right. Yes, he was. This one had four? I think three, but maybe some on I don't know. I think there was like an interim who filmed for like three weeks and then... Well, Cooker was first. Because mm-hmm. I know him because he did like a lot of other things. Yeah. And I heard that Lee liked him, but uh, he was gay, so he got fired. Yes. Replaced by Fleming. Fleming did the majority of it, and he was like just real nasty to to Vivian Lee. Um, He was replaced by Sam Wood briefly while Fleming took some time off for exhaustion. Hmm. So, but yes, he was not nice to Vivian Lee. Yeah, Fleming was kind of the main director Mm -hmm. of this. But yeah, those opening scenes were just so jarring that I couldn't like sit down and relax because everyone's just going, hey, I'm in a movie here, see? (laughs) And they're just like hamming it up so much. And it's uh, it's really hard to, to just get lost in the story when everyone is doing their best to make you aware that they're acting in a movie. Mm -hmm. Does the speech seem fine to you? Yeah. Do you think people talk like that? No, I think it's, it's very much like a dramatized thing, Mm -hmm. but um, I don't think I notice things like that as much as you do. I find it very easy to get caught up in 
the story as soon as it starts with like them on the porch and those two gentlemen and Scarlet and like I just I think it's very easy to get wrapped up in the story so like I understand that the accents were kind of weird but honestly I didn't get hung up on it I think what it did was it made it so performative that I couldn't get lost in the story because I was paying attention to like how they how they deliver these lines yeah everyone was so uh bombastic almost in how they spoke and also sometimes it's just hard to understand the people mm-hmm. which is weird because it's just a british woman doing an american accent True. or what she thinks that is so i think i have some questions for you that will maybe frame it in a way that'll help me understand why it's so good okay i'll try so scarlet yes do you like her yes so she's meant to be like a hero, an anti-hero, definitely. It's definitely she- an anti-hero. Um, so one of the things that I really like about her is she's not that obedient kind of Southern Belle stereotype where she's like, yes, mama, yes, papa. Oh, I'll marry whoever you feel like I should marry. No, you have to do it in a Southern Belle. I don't think I can do it. Oh, that. yes, mama. Like that, maybe. Yes, Papa. Oh, that's pretty okay. good. Um, I do declare I've got the vapors. Yeah. I think she's very strong and very kind of independently willed for a woman of her time. Definitely. And I, one thing that I really love about this movie is watching her kind of go from the kind of child that she is at the beginning of the movie. Like, yes, she's courting suitors, but I... She's in the beginning, how old is she? I believe she's supposed to be like a, seven. about 16. Ooh. 15, 16. You shouldn't be doing that when you're 16. No, but it was a she different time. She stomps her feet in... No, not the courting part. Oh. I mean, the, like, she just stomps her feet and, like, cries and throws fits and stuff. True. She acts like, like a three to four-year-old for the most part for the first 20 minutes of the movie. So basically, to kind of go back to my original point, one thing that I love is that this girl, who's basically a child, she's 16, who has no knowledge of kind of the outside world, um, is thrust into this situation really quickly where it's war and suddenly all the frivolity and like glitter and fun and beauty from her world is gone. And she gets sent off to another city. She suddenly has like a sister-in-law her husband dies she's hit with all of this like kind of trauma and um stuff that really could send her spiraling and she could be like Aunt pity pat who is like oh i'm gonna faint i'm gonna faint like who just never deals with anything bad and i like that she grows up to be someone who will do anything she has to to survive and to kind of preserve the people around her and make sure that her people are okay And I like that um, she becomes a very, very strong character in the end. And she really, like, yes, she's selfish. And yes, she kind of puts herself first. But she's someone who's come back from, like, the brink of death. And she's watched many people that she loves die or almost die or, um, like, never come home. And she really does a good job of showing the people that she loves that she loves them. Does she? Yes. She shows the people she loves that she loves them. Really just the one, though. Like, she's obsessed with, what's the name, Ashley? Ashley. And she tells him in every sense, but in a very childlike manner, even as she's much older. And then at the very end, of course, she goes like, oh, actually, maybe I don't. <laughs> and changes the her one, like, through line through the whole movie. Like, what you're saying is all true. And the movie you're describing 
sounds very good and I'd like to watch it. <laughs> what I saw though is she's she comes off way more like a villain than any sort of hero though. Yes, she does get stronger as the movie goes, but like like a villain does. She just takes what she needs from everyone, uses them up and throws them aside. And she does that I don't know how many lives she ruins throughout the movie. And yeah, the story you're telling is true that she she's a survivor more than anything. Mm-hmm. She takes what she wants and she builds something out of it. But she uses people along the way. It's not like she's surviving this whole time based on her own cunning. She just finds someone, uses them up, throws them away, and is on to the next one. And she does that to many people throughout. So it's true that it's a story about someone getting stronger, but in the sense of, like, the origin story of a supervillain is. (laughs) I can see what you're saying. Um, I don't think that she is a supervillain. No, no, but she it's the origin story of a villain, not of a hero. I think it's somebody who needs a lot of therapy in a time where therapy isn't a thing. Perhaps. Um, I think that she's gone through so many crazy terrible things, like seeing her father die in front of her and like not making it home in time to see her mother before she dies and losing her daughter and like everything that is terrible that happens to her i feel like she's like one moment away from just like losing it all but isn't that the story for every character in this movie they're all going through a war yes and a lot of them don't have the benefit of a household of slaves to do the work so yeah terrible things are happening to her but terrible things are happening Mm-hmm. to everyone true and not everyone goes out and just discards people as easily as she does it is a story about someone gaining strength but it seems like way more of a cautionary tale to me than something that we should strive for because when i was watching it at first i was like well at least like we get this strong feminist character through it and then i thought no we don't there's nothing feminist about her at all the only feminist thing about her is that she's female I think like a true strong feminist character, if they were written as male or female, some of that would come out. But if this was a male character, there's not a little bit of that that would come out because she's pretty terrible to other women as well. I I agree. Um, I think like it kind of is like both what you're saying and what I'm saying. True. Yeah, it is. And it's just whether you think she's justified then she's a hero to you and if you think that she's not then she's a villain to you i don't and she's a villain to me think she's a hero or something to be admired what well what do you think she is i enjoy her journey i don't think i like admire or like think of her as a hero i enjoy her journey and i think that as a woman in like the 1930s during a war I don't know that, like, many people would have done what she had done Mm -hmm. and would have been able to kind of advocate for herself in a world where everyone was, like, a little lady and it was a man's world. Like, she does things like owning sawmills and owning property and running business, which were things that, like, were unheard of for women back then. Yeah, definitely. But if there is a underrepresented group or a marginalized group, To have the one instance of their success be in this type of character would almost, would feel quite hollow to me. It's like the first time I saw an Indian guy in a movie, 
turns out it was like a white guy in brown face. And I was like, hey, representation? So you think like, we're that's a step, right? But she, it also kind of shows you that the way she is able to succeed is by being like callous and ruthless. And maybe that is like a stepping stone in the right direction because it's showing that like not all women are weak-willed. They're not all just controlled by their heart all the time. She's able to like distance herself from any emotion really Mm -hmm. although a lot of the time she's completely ruled by emotion and kind of goes into emotional fits pretty often too but she's able to portray a lot of characteristics that were usually associated with men especially at this time in the in the 30s but she's still an asshole i agree but i also think that if scarlett o'hara was a man that Back then, that would have just been totally normal. Well, if it was a male character, it would just be a straight-up villain, I think. I don't think there would be anything heroic about him then. Oh, maybe. Sometimes they do have, like, what they call heroes, and they are pretty much villains. If he overcame all of these things, he'd be like, what a stand-up guy. And, like, you know, if he was making business deals to be able to save the family homestead. And, like, I think that it would be looked at a little bit differently. Yes, she's over-emotional. And, yes, she kind of uses people. But I think that she's doing what she sees the men in her life doing. Or men in general. Because she's been around plantation owners and, like, men of business and that kind of thing. And that's kind of what she's absorbed. And then when she turns around and does it, I think it gives it kind of a bad look because we're used to the way that like southern bells act and look in that time mm-hmm. um and i think that it's it's a little unsettling to see that but at the same time i think i wouldn't blink if i was watching a movie and i wouldn't feel uncomfortable if it was Rhett butler doing all those things right no, I, that makes a lot of sense. But I think what it ultimately comes down to for me is I see all these traits that she's portraying and it's like, well, it's cool that we're seeing a woman do this so early on in mm-hmm. the history of film. But at the end of it, I don't like her. She's not a likable character. And I think that's fine. But it's so hard to, you can't root for her in the same way. Mm-hmm. And then it's almost like the movie doesn't want you to root for her. I'm, I question if the movie wants me on her side, because ultimately it seems like the things that she does marrying and have being so strong-willed, she gets punished for in the very end, doesn't she? Um, yeah, she does. And I definitely don't agree with the fact that she married someone's beau just before the war. Or, like, as the war was starting. Well, should we go through some of the things that she Yeah, does? let's talk a few things about Scarlet. So first she marries Hamilton, Mm -hmm. and she only marries him to kind of make Ashley jealous? I think she married him because all of the available men were going away. It seems like she was, like, very pointedly doing it because she had just been rebuked by Ashley. She goes downstairs and goes, okay, I'll marry you now. Like, it seemed out of spite more than anything. It might have been a little bit Because she was very childish at this point. Yes. And I think that part of it was also that she didn't know if there were going to be eligible men after the war, right? Like, 
who knows what was going to happen. And I think she looks out the window at one point, the huge big bay windows of 12 Oaks, and she sees men hopping on horseback and women throwing their arms around their neck and giving them kisses goodbye. And I feel like she gets swept up in that moment of like, I need to secure something in a time when I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Mm -hmm. Suddenly my world is no longer guaranteed. Yeah. And then he dies and she doesn't seem to mind at all, but she does cry that she has to wear black. Yes. So that bothers her. Her dead husband, she, eh, not not as much. But then uh, later on in the movie, she marries her second husband, uh, Kennedy. Yes. And she ruins two lives in doing that part because he really wants to marry this other girl. She really wants to marry him. And... Scarlet lies to him and says, oh, she's uh, marrying someone else, so you can marry me now. That's and her sister. That's her sister? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I feel like I shouldn't have told you that. Brutal. Yeah. Brutal. Because she's basically, she's effectively the head of the family. Yeah. So she ruins two lives at that point, pretty much. Yes. Well, yeah. Because I guess the war ruined the first husband's life yes. before Scarlet got a chance to ruin it. I guess so. And she marries him for the money because she tried to get money off of Rhett. Yes. He didn't have any at this point. So no. she just moves on, gets the money there. And yeah, you can make the argument she's doing what she has to do. But the fact that she did it at the expense of her sister really makes that a hard argument to to believe fully. Yeah, I just keep going back to the idea that she's doing what she has to do in order to preserve Tara and to kind of get her standing back that she had before the war. Yeah, her standing. Her standing. We like to think a lot of it being as like, oh, for the family. But no, it's her. Her personally. Because if he had married into the family, you'd think that would help out. True. It's not. But she needed the money because she wants to go on to do her uh, her sawmill factory something like that she yeah she owns two sawmills oh yeah so then she gets to that sawmill and now slavery has ended at this point and so she just finds new slaves she just finds prisoner slaves and she's like yeah yeah don't pay those darkies any money give me these free prison slaves and that's also like yeah she's doing what she has to do but that's like that's that's rough too because you could just make the case for like any industrialist who just clear cuts of force and like, oh, he did what he had to do. He needed money. But she's well off. She already is. Mm -hmm. She is this whole time. We have this whole thing of like, oh, but she's doing what she has to do. She has land and a home and slaves. So like, let's not be too much of like, oh, she needs to survive. There's one point in the story where she's out in a field and has to eat a radish. And then that's everyone's like, oh, my God, that's that's the worst thing that could ever happen. It's not. There's so many worse off people in that shot they're slaves still and i know like yes we're slavery and we know it's bad now and they didn't then but no they did and i don't think we can just forget that this whole time when she's talking about how she's like pulling herself up she's doing it with free labor and continues to do it after slavery ends yes um i don't really have an argument for that i think this slavery in this movie definitely makes it very like cringy Mm -hmm. I um, don't enjoy the parts and how, um, like, black people are portrayed in this, mm -hmm. especially the black women. And then when they're talking about her using prisoner slaves, they put it in the same breath as someone going, what? I hear she's driving her own coach now. 
And when you put it next to something like that, we get tricked for a moment into thinking like, oh, this isn't a terrible human. This is a progressive woman. Mm -hmm. Because that isn't something that should be shocking. But when you put the two together like that, you're lumping them in together and it's making it seem like, yeah, those are on equal level. It's just her being a strong woman, which it's not. It's she's a bad person. I agree, but I'm still kind of like in love with this, the whole like feel of the movie. And then even if it was like we all agree that she's a bad person, yes. that could be a good movie in itself. But I don't know if it ever really got there for me. I agree. There could have been like a different way that they could have taken it. But um, I guess like that was just the way the book was written. Like I feel like that's such a flimsy excuse. But I don't want to keep saying of the time. But I feel like the book is very of the time because it was written way earlier during the war. And it just... No, no, no. The book wasn't written during the Civil War. The Civil War was in like 1860. The book oh, was yeah, from no, no, no. 1930 or from something. From 1930, yes. Yeah. It should have been a little more progressive than it was, but... No, and I don't even think I'm getting caught up in the like, well, times were different then. I think characters being good and evil, that shouldn't really change too much. And like, I get what you're saying. And watching Scarlet kind of navigate through this man's world, it's it's great to watch. That is something that's interesting. And it feels really prescient for today because that's still an issue, right? Mm -hmm. Like unequal pay, representation, all of that is still here. Yes. And she's really probably the first female anti-hero in American cinema. I can't mm -hmm. think of one before that because there were not a lot of leading females before that. It's and true. if they this were, is... they were very typical romantic leads this for the most part. It's a very female-driven movie. Yeah. And it's great to see that. That's what makes it so much more disappointing that she's terrible. She's a bad person. And I don't like her. And I want to like her so much, just like I want to like this movie. But I just don't. And then when Melly died, and she made that all about her, too. That was really sad, because I loved Melly. I loved Melly, too. Yeah, how could you not? And then she's like, oh, but look at me. What about me? And I just, I just wanted her to shut up. I wanted other characters to come forth and have a moment, but nobody gets a chance to. I really enjoyed the Melly Scarlet kind of relationship because they are very much opposites. Mm -hmm. Melly is this mothering, feminine, like soft character, and Scarlet is completely the opposite. Even when she has a child, she's not mothering or soft mm -hmm. or compassionate. She's very much still the same person and is very unchanged by motherhood. Yeah, and having a woman have all these characteristics should be so great if they had managed to make her likable at the same time. Hmm. And Melly, Melly's a strong woman. Yeah. She got through all this stuff too. She was, of course, less like a take charge. Yeah, she's, she was very much not a leader in no, this movie. But she, her strength of forgiveness, yes. that's something that needs to be, her strength to just survive with a child at the back of a wagon. Like, Melly's doing great stuff, but... <laughs> Melly is doing great stuff. Yeah. Poor Melly. It seemed to me like Scarlett O'Hara is not of the 1860s. She's definitely of the 1930s. She's like a free-spirited modern woman of that era. And she was kind of um, like following in the footsteps of movie actresses of the time, which is funny because she is one, really. But And it seems like the movie was much more about the Great Depression than it was the Civil War. Yeah. It's about women getting into the workforce and it's kind of creating somewhat of a strong role model for that. But I'll stop saying bad things about Scarlet now. I think 
that's how I feel that I get all the good things you're saying. And it's was fun. Maybe not fun. It was nice to see a female character embodying these things in a movie from the 30s. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, I don't like her. And I love what she stands for, but it felt hollow because she's a bad person at the same time. <laughs> I get what you're saying. I absolutely get what you're saying. I just think that um, looking at the environment and the way that she kind of was thrust into such a man's role by being head of the household, that I'm not surprised or kind of angry with the way that she kind of becomes very callous and harsh towards the end of the movie. And I'm okay with that. You know what it seems like to me? It seems a lot like YA fiction. A little bit. And we think we talked about this in the last episode. I read a lot of young adult fiction for work. And this is one of those characters. Because, like, she's 16 at the beginning. She's caught between two cultures. There's a big adventure coming because there's a war coming to where she is. She's stuck between two lovers, and they both appeal to very different parts of her. Like, this is Twilight so far. (laughs) And they have very different aspects that she loves in both of them, but can't really decide ever. She's set up against these really insurmountable odds, and you think, like, how could someone who's just a woman fight all of this stuff? But then she overcomes them because she has all these gifts and privileges that... We think that she earned somehow, but ultimately they're just given to her. Right. Just like with, um, I don't know, like Katniss is the same way. She can just do whatever she wants. Like Harry Potter is just magic. He just, we, they just have that and they don't really earn it a lot of the time. Although I would say Harry Potter is much better written than this. (laughs) She hasn't done anything to earn all the money she has. I guess you could say she's cunning later on in the movie to get some of it back, but She's really competent in skills that she has no background in. Like, she can run businesses. She's good at math. She can shoot a soldier in the face, no problem. Like, she can do all of this stuff. And you're like, how? And you're like, because she's strong. Because she's magic. It might as well be the same thing. It's very YA in that way. I I understand that. Yeah, it, it does feel very... Um... Like, we go from one thing and then we jump to this, like, fantastical kind of point without any kind of explanation. It's just because she's Scarlett O'Hara mm-hmm. that ends up being kind of the the jump that we make. And I think that the story could actually benefit from her maybe earlier backstory. Maybe there's a reason that she is able to do all these things or, like, maybe her pa is very much, like – a strategic businessman or her mom like we see ellen o'hara um her mom quite a f- well like twice twice or three times not quite a few times but um and we see her and she is kind of in charge of the whole plantation and so i think scarlet comes from kind of a line of women who their husbands are not equal partners it seems like and i think this is just kind of what she was raised with um her mother says what happens kind of on the plantation and i don't know if you remember when the overseer is fired oh yes so she's out in town she's hearing all the gossip and she's making all the decisions on who should be fired who should be hired and what is going to happen kind of on the plantation and 
the and then she kind of whispers it to Mr. O'Hara and he kind of just does her bidding by firing him. So I think that Scarlett has seen this from a very young age and it's kind of like no excuses. She is kind of an awful person. But I think that she comes by it by watching her mother and the other women kind of in that circle. And if the point of the movie is like, you know what, you have to be awful to survive in this world. That's a fair point to make. Yeah. But I don't know where it ends up. It just kind of feels like I'm supposed to like her, but I don't. So ultimately, you found her a likable character. Not wholly likable. But do you like her? I like her. Okay. Do you like Rhett? I think Rhett, I like Rhett as like an art, like as like a type. That like roguish, like she says, oh, it seems like he looks like, he looks like he knows what I look like without my chemise on yeah, or whatever. that was actually a funny line. That it was a funny line. I really like that And it line. very, it does a very good um, kind of job of explaining that Rhett is like a scoundrel and mm-hmm. he does what he needs to do to make money. Right. And he's very much only out for himself until he falls in love with Scarlet. And it's very much like he's, because he's a blockade runner and he's making sure that like the South continues to get supplies as the Yankees are trying to kind of cut them off in order to force them to surrender and i like red as an idea because he is every male character in like a romance novel yeah he's that he's that devilish prince he's that you know heartless billionaire he's He's like if han solo was a rapist is what he is oh my god don't bring rape into this uh doesn't he rape her yeah kind of kind of it's not no i will i'm not backing down on this one (laughs) I've been really conceding points like, oh, yeah, I see how that's good about Scarlet. But no, no, he absolutely raped her. Yes. Um, And I think that's a very problematic theme in this movie. As long as we know. I'm not condoning it. No, but you you started walking it back real quick of like, well, kind of. It was not a kind of. He raped her. Yes, he did. Yeah. So I think I like Rhett as kind of an idea or like a, like a, character model but not so much as like in action mm-hmm. it's funny because yeah the terrible thing he does like it comes much later in it and up until that point a lot of the time i kind of liked him because he's he's terrible too yes. he's a bad person yes but i liked him because he was willing to tell her to shut up and no one else was and then i was like oh i don't feel good about being on the side of the guy who's telling, telling a woman the to only shut strong up. woman to shut up but I only talked to one person about the movie, and my friend Laura said, like, oh, yeah, I saw it. It's just jackasses being jackasses to each other. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's about That's a really right. good way to put it. And yeah, they are both jackasses. I think Scarlett and Rhett deserve each other. So you're saying that she deserved to be raped? Wow. No. Oh, my God, Indy. Wow. Indy. Ah, oh, she just kicked me. Yes, I did. She kicked me under the table. <laughs> And watching too much Gone with the Wind. You can't just hit your partner like that. It's not okay. So they have like a romance? Yes. I think it's more in that he is so different from any of the men that she knows. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, it comes down to he has so much more money than any of the men that she knows. Yeah. And I think that the mixture of those two makes him kind of the only target that she can like fathom going after he's a really confusing one to me both of these characters if nothing else are complex mm-hmm. he at least has some sort of self-awareness so maybe 
I liked that about him because he would be terrible and then say like, yeah, I'm terrible. Why does this surprise you? While I feel like the movie was trying to say that the terrible stuff Scarlet does is cool and it's just fine. Uh, she didn't have a lot of self-awareness. She doesn't know what she's doing to other people. No. Rhett does. Rhett does, yes. Because this will be the last time I talk about when he rapes her. <laughs> she's sticking her tongue out at me now. Um <laughs> Even after that, like, he apologizes. I know that's not enough, but he has the awareness for that, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, in that romantic scene where he says he's going to crush her skull? Remember yeah. that? Yeah. Whew. I was waiting for this great romance, and I and then I got a man saying he'll crush the skull of his wife who doesn't love him and is interested in someone else before he rapes her. That's the romance of this movie. So romantic. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. It is a tough one. I understand everything that you're struggling with. I just I don't know. Maybe I chose to focus on different things in the movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like I get swept up in like the big picture of it, the romance, the like. Well, the one good thing you could say about Rhett is I feel he's the only character who knows what Scarlet is. Yes, who she is. Yes. Scarlet doesn't even know. I don't think. No, I don't think so. Ashley certainly doesn't know. Her two husbands definitely don't know. Rhett knows who she is, what she is, and he loves her not in spite of it, but because of it. Yeah. And there is some romance in that. I think Scarlet is very much the female version of Rhett. In a lot of ways, and but Rhett she lacks seems... that self. Lacks that self awareness. I was going to say, and Rhett, the only reason that he isn't quite the male version of Scarlet is that he has that kind of frame of reference and he kind of meets his match in her. Yeah, I could say that. And I think he knows enough, like he's self-aware enough about himself that he can kind of be like, this is the woman that is going to make the most sense for me because she can stand up to me. I can Mm -hmm. stand up to her. We will like always be fighting but that almost makes our relationship like stronger in that and then he ends up losing in the end but all of that what you're saying is great how much of the movie is about that part very little two percent really of this Mm -hmm. entire movie is about that dynamic you were talking about and that's an interesting dynamic and i wish i saw more of that i'm sorry i'll write you a better gone with the wind okay we'll write it after we write the next bring it on oh yeah bring Bring it it on on. eight Rise Cheer of Apocalypse the Blood now. Queen. Oh, yeah, that one. Oh, Cheer Apocalypse Now, yes. So then you were saying you liked the um, the bigger picture of it. That's what I was really interested in. And that's what I was really excited to watch, that if nothing else, this is going to be a spectacle. Like, um, like Titanic. Mm-hmm. I kind of knew that I wouldn't get lost in the love story. But I did kind of get lost in that spectacle, right? Because there was right. so much going on and it was great to watch. I didn't really get that here. And I was quite disappointed, actually. So the first half of the movie is where everything happens. Basically, yes. In the first half, you did have that one really great shot of it just kind of keeps zooming out and out. And you see these just this giant field of injured soldiers. Yes. That's an amazing shot. I've seen that like parodied in The Simpsons and all sorts of other things. That was always was great to behold. There's a lot of nods to German Expressionist films in it. Is there? There's all those shots where you'd see like a silhouette. There's like the ground and maybe they're walking with a horse. Oh, on yeah. It. Things like that. It reminds me of Night of the Hunter. It reminds me of pretty much anything from Germany in the 19-teens. And there's all the stuff with the fire. Mm-hmm. That was great. Second that was half, real. Yeah. Second half <laughs> of the movie, it's just people in rooms arguing. Yes. 
there's no spectacle and it looks like a soap opera. It doesn't, there's no like interesting camera movement. There's no interesting shots. It's just people in rooms being dicks to each other. And that's like two hours of the movie. Everything that has any sort of movement in it happens in the first half. I agree. And I think that it could have been either cut down or like changed. Um, That is one of the things that um, people really kind of rag on Selznick for is the fact that he left too much of the book in. Mm -hmm. And he didn't leave the right parts of the book in to make it kind of a compelling second half. Yeah, there was one part, I think it might be Mammy, where she comes in and says, like, oh, this happened and this happened and this happened. Yeah, you said, I want that the entire movie. Yeah, because she summed up what was probably 100 pages of the novel Mm -hmm. in 30 seconds. And I was like, why didn't she do that for most of the stuff in the second half? She could have done that multiple times. Yeah. So one of my favorite things throughout this movie was um, when... Scarlet and her father at the beginning of the movie, um, when she like runs out to meet him, he takes her up on that hill at Terra and they kind of look out over the land and the sun is setting and you get that like silhouette of both of them up yeah, on the like hill. Yeah, it's like the binary star scene in a, in the New Hope it's when he's looking out over it. It's, yeah, that, that, that's yes. been um, copied in other things yeah. too. And the, it gives the movie scope and like a grand feeling. But one of the things that I really enjoyed throughout the movie was the fact that they keep bringing her back there so she gets back to tara and she says i'm home i'm home and she stands up the sun is setting again she's like exhausted from her journey and she stands up and the kind of the clouds come up from behind the moon and she finally sees her home for the first time in probably years because she's been in atlanta and Then when she decides that she's going to turn their lives around, she stands up on that hill and says, I'll never be hungry again. And then in the end of the movie, she kind of does it again. And it's it's like any time there's a big turning point in her life, she ends up on that hill making some proclamation. And I really liked that that they kept returning her there back home to this place where we've like seen her before. Yeah, that was a nice touchstone because I think like the big scope of the movie is that it's pre, during, and post-Civil War. And I think she returns there at each of those points. She does. And every time her life changes a little bit when she leaves. Mm -hmm. Except for like, we don't know what happens at the end of the movie, like after the movie. Except there's a sequel. What? Did you not know that? No. Scarlet? No. It's called Scarlet. She wrote a novel that's a sequel and then it was also made into a miniseries. What? Yeah. She like goes and follows Red to Charleston. Yeah. I didn't know that. I hear it's terrible. I want to see it now. You are watching that one on your own because I think it's another <laughs> like six hours. Okay. Well, I will watch it. All right. Good luck. Kay. I hear it's very bad. Thanks. I'll give a little rundown on the podcast for later. <laughs> so yeah, I really enjoy that because um, every time she kind of makes a decision in her life, she's up on that hill. And that seems to be a very like grounding place for that character. And it's where she's at her most humble and kind of her most low and least kind of calculating and villainous, to use your word. (laughs) No, to use my word. (laughs) That was your word. You said it. You said it. Well, you knew eventually we would have to talk about race in this movie. Racism. And uh, she's rolling her eyes now. I didn't roll my eyes. You went, racism. I didn't roll my eyes. Like it was a foghorn. No. But... 
I'll give it to you first. You can say what you think was problematic about it, and then, you know what, you'll cover it all, and then I won't have to say anything, and you can tear it down yourself. (laughs) So I agree this movie is extremely problematic um, in its kind of encapsulation of black people. The men in this movie, the black men in this movie, um, Pork and... Big Sam. Big Sam. Which is your new name. No. Big Sam. It is not my new name. Um, Lil Sammy. They are very much kind of one-dimensional characters. They'll say a line here or there to kind of forward the story, but they won't do anything that really, like, contributes to the greater story. Um, The women in this, the black women in this, um, so, um, so Mammy and... Prissy? Prissy. I wanted to call her Sally for some reason. So Mammy, Mammy and Prissy are very much two very opposite kind of stereotypes of women. There's Mammy, who is kind of a mother who... Who's the Mammy. That's a stereotype itself. It's called the Mammy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She's very much a mother. She's very much in charge of what she can be in charge of as a slave and she's not afraid to kind of sass scarlet in order to get what she wants out of her or manipulate her even we see that in that scene where she's getting ready for the barbecue where mammy kind of like manipulates her like reverse psychologies her into eating before the barbecue and i think that she does that for scarlet's kind of own good Mm -hmm. i think scarlet will be in her own way if she's, like, kind of left to her own devices. I don't think it would be for the best if she made all of her own decisions and Mammy didn't kind of, like, psychologically kind of wedge some of these ideas into her head. Prissy is exactly the opposite, and I think that this movie would have been a lot better off if we hadn't treated a black actress to play this like if we hadn't made her play this really dumb ditzy useless person character and i think that that is honestly one of the hardest things for me to watch the whole i don't know nothing about birthing babies scene that's one of the few things i knew about this movie because malcolm x pointed to that and said when he saw that he wanted to crawl under his seat I kind of wanted to crawl under my seat. I Mm -hmm. have seen this movie. This is probably like the seventh or the eighth time that I've seen it. And as soon as we're in Atlanta and as soon as everyone's like Aunt Pity Pat is evacuating and the doctor comes by and he says, oh, you'll be okay here with her because Prissy says, oh, my mother helped like let me help all the time. I'm just like I inwardly cringe. And the next couple scenes are very, very hard to watch because she is Scarlet is very cruel towards Prissy and slaps her at one point. And I know that's coming and it makes me very uncomfortable to know that that is coming. And I think this movie would have been way better off if they had kind of ignored that part and not put that back in. David O. Selznick, not to like give him any props for his treatment of black people, because he definitely, as the director, could have producer, as the producer, um, could have 
really changed the way that slaves and black people in this movie were treated. Um, He did give them more dimension than Margaret Mitchell did. They were very one-dimensional. They were very stereotypical. And Selznick kind of breathed a little bit more life into them and made them a little bit more round and a little bit more – made them kind of contribute to the story a little bit more than they did in the book. And they cut out all the N-words. They did, yes. So it was funny, we were talking about Mad Men last episode, and I was saying that just because something contains racism doesn't make it itself racist. Mm -hmm. And while everything you said makes perfect sense, I was almost more forgiving of those things because it's a movie from the 30s, and yeah, the people who made it are racist. Right. But by cutting out the N-word, that's like, Something that people give this movie credit for. Mm-hmm. But why? It's true. It's during not... the Civil War. Yeah, everyone was saying that. And if you see that in the movie and it makes you uncomfortable, good. It should. Yeah. The, that part of our history should make you uncomfortable. I totally agree with that. I think that there were other things that they could have cut out to make us less uncomfortable. And I don't think the N-word is something that would have made us necessarily like more uncomfortable if it had been in there. I think it should have been in there because the opposite is what they did and it made me angry. Everything you said is true, but I almost kind of expected it. But the extra layer that they did that was terrible was kind of ignoring that there was racism, Mm -hmm. which is way worse. Because like I said about Mad Men, when people are glossing over that these terrible things happened... And they're saying, like, look, we're not showing racist characters. Aren't we progressive? Like, no, you need to acknowledge those things Mm -hmm. if you want to be progressive. If you acknowledge the flaws in it, then you're progressive. If you acknowledge it simply, you're accurate. If you pretend it didn't happen, that's regressive. And Mm -hmm. that's what this movie does. So that's why I thought this goes the extra step of just being, like, plain old 1930s racist. Because they do that with the characterizations of all the black characters. Yes. They're they're idiots. All of them are. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's of the time. Mm -hmm. So when you say like, well, you know, it's of the time, that part is for sure. But what they did is they went on and played it like slaves are just friends, Mm -hmm. which is just infuriated me. Like to say like, oh, yeah, well, these aren't our slaves. These are our friends that we just don't pay and can't leave. Yeah. And there's lines where they talk about how they have to be nicer to the black people. You can't just slap them around. And I don't think that doesn't ring true from the Civil War, the South in the Civil War. No, I don't think people were going on and giving lessons about how to be polite to black people. That's not the case. As soon as the Civil War ends, we just go, yep, slavery's abolished now. Everyone's equal. No, that's not the case. That wasn't the case after the Civil War. It wasn't the case when the movie was made. It's not the case now. And they're playing it like... As soon as the war ended, all these northern black people came in and were pushing around the white southerners. I don't know a lot about the Civil War. The carpet I can <laughs> assure you that did not happen. Black people did not get all their rights overnight to the extent where they would just push around white southerners. You can't do that now. In 2020, you, that couldn't happen in 1930s when this was made. And it definitely didn't happen right after the Civil War. Like, remember that sequence when there's all these, like, rich black people coming in and yelling at the Southerners? Yes. That's not a thing. 
Um, I don't think it was just rich black people, though. No, it was rich northerners. Rich northerners. But the fact that, yeah, black people and white people are depicted as being on the same level at this point is yeah. just just so false. Yeah. And that's the worst part. If they'd had people using the N-word, that wouldn't be nearly as bad because that was the fact of the time. Mm -hmm. This was not. That just kind of feeds into this whole like mythos of the South of like, oh yeah, those were the good old days. Like, no, they weren't. That thing that you're thinking was great never happened. This is the same kind of thinking where you just blame it on another group that gets like Trump elected and gets Southern or just gets poor white people to vote against their own best interest because they're like yeah it's not our government that's doing it to us it's the terrorists it's the black people it's someone else yeah so i guess my biggest problem wasn't that it presented black people as having lower status because yeah. that was that's the sad true. truth of the time yeah. and even that it portrayed them as being very stupid that's problematic but again you could say that that's indicative of the 30s Oh, you mean black people weren't sent to school? There was no education for them. And I think that, or very little, like, available what they could teach in whatever job they were in. Oh, I mean, or it's indicative of representations that were in the 30s. Like, True. They're just yes, saying, like, okay. But the fact that they kind of created this revisionist history mm -hmm. is the, the most troubling of all of it. Remember when everyone goes and joins the Ku Klux Klan? No. Oh. You know that group that they go off with to yeah. go, like, raid the town? That's the KKK. Is it? Yeah. Ugh. So, of course, in the book, it was black people who attacked her, and then the KKK goes out and lynches them. Yeah. And they took that out not because to, like, for any racial sensibilities, but because they were worried about offending the public, who many of whom belong to the KKK. Oh, my God. Yeah. I didn't know that. And you know why Rhett was in jail? Because A can't. black man got uppity, and he killed him. Yeah. I did know that. Yeah. I, like, understand all of the really awful things that happened in this movie. And kind of, I get, like, I also cringed during a lot of things. But at the same time, I love the grand sweeping kind of story and, like, the the look and feel of this movie. And I ultimately didn't. I was disappointed in it because I look at what was made at the time. Mm -hmm. Like if you want to talk progressive, this is the same year, I think, as Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, which is a great Jimmy Stewart movie. If you want to talk about impressive visuals and scope, this is the same year as Wizard of Oz, it's which true. is miles ahead of this. Yeah. And I'm it boggles my mind to look at all the Oscar stuff and how Wizard of Oz didn't get anything and this got everything. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it is because it's that like, hey, remember how great things used to be? We're going to be great again. It was, yeah, there was a certain romanticism and apparently the Academy reacts to that. Oh, yeah, they do. I... Uh, always say it uh, the academy awards are a sham they don't mean anything <laughs> so do you have any final thoughts on gone with the wind to convince our listening audience that they should go watch it if they haven't already i think you need to take off your 2020 kind of vision filter and go back to a time where things were different which would be like your 19 early 1900 filter but I think that the grand sweeping romanticism of this is why I enjoy it. And I think that if you kind of are looking for that, um, you might enjoy this. But don't forget about the uh, racism and kind of pay heed to the fact that parts of this movie can be very uncomfortable. I think the romance is also like super uncomfortable <laughs> in a lot of it. There is something romantic under it. But 
it so infrequently comes to the surface that it made it made it hard for me to root for these characters to stay together because I don't want her to be with any of these people. Mm-hmm. I don't want Rhett to be with anyone either because when it comes down to it, they're both bad people. And maybe you could say they deserve each other, but I don't like cheering for misery. <laughs> and I think the only way you would be cheering for that is if you believe this movie is set up for you to cheer against Scarlet. Right. In that case, maybe, yeah, you want her to get together with Rhett because he's going to, like, I don't know, tame her? Is that what we want? Because that's going to, in think, the best case scenario, none of this seems great. I think he thought maybe he could tame her. Mm-hmm. And he that's said, why he walks away in the end because he realizes You know that what he you can. need? A good kissing. And I'm the one that can give it to you. Yeah. But you know he doesn't mean kissing. You know what he means. Wink. Fondling. Handshakes. Handshakes. I think what you said about romanticism is right. Because this isn't a romantic movie. But like, people have a romanticism the, of yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not talking about the romanticness no, no. of it. I'm saying that's the exact yeah. right word. Because romanticism means what this movie does in the first minute of saying like, oh, there was this great, perfect time. Yes. And I think that's what people do with this movie. They think like, oh, this is when Hollywood mattered. This is when Hollywood meant something. When stars were stars. When men were men. When women were women. And it's not all those things. We, Mm-mm. Since I didn't watch this as a child, I have no kind of uh, nostalgia for um, the American South. Other than like when the Braves were good in the 90s. I was a big <laughs> fan then. If you don't have those things, there's not a lot to draw you to it. And I feel like... If a lot of the people who do like this movie saw it for the first time as an adult, I don't know if they would love it as much. Maybe it's because I saw it when I was younger. Because this is this is a YA thing. And I think I, I think I agree with you in the fact that this is a very YA. It's a very YA story, and it's a very YA pr- like production of the characters and the setting and ooh look at the pretty dresses and then ooh look at her she's like overcoming so much and then ooh she's back in pretty dresses again the things you're saying don't make it sound great but that's like YA (laughs) sure and that's why yeah I'm sure 15 year olds might like it a lot well and that's what I'm saying I think that's why I look at it with a little bit of a rosier kind of view Mm -hmm. is because I did see it when I was younger I, I did see it before I was like an adult and kind of had a broader world view. I think I was very much more like Scarlet in that I was more innocent and didn't really understand how the world worked. And then you see this woman coming up and you don't really realize all the bad things the first time that you see it when you're that young. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too uh, too critical. Because even if you get past all the, the racial stuff, you have this whole fake nostalgia which is a thing that exists not just for the South, but like in so many ways. And I feel like it's a lazy technique to use in a movie. It's um, There's this one artist who did a picture, you know, those kind of like dictionary looking drawings. It's like a pencil sketch and it says like figure A and it's a um, like figure A, the Southern Belle. And it's a woman with her big hoop skirt and the hoop skirt is um, a cross section of a slave ship. So it's just saying like, remember this fake nostalgia we have of the South? What is actually about but even if you get past all of that in the end i just didn't like the characters at least like leonardo dicaprio and titanic was like you don't want him to die dreamy sure (laughs) i wouldn't go that far i thought he was a little annoying but you never root against them 
in this one, I was like, I kind of hope they they both don't make it because they're both dicks. Yeah. It's well, just jackasses being jackasses. Just jackasses right. being jackasses, yeah. Um, well, I don't know that I have much more to say about Gone with the Wind. I think we talked about everything. Although... We really talked about very little of the plot because so much happens and it's very it's a very lot. little of it matters. And it's a very quick plot at the beginning too. So you go through so many things all at once. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're at the war. Here's my recommendation. If you want to watch it, stop at intermission. Everything good happens in oh. the first half. The second half is two hours of people being in rooms and being dicks. And wearing a lot of velvet. That too. See, we could have talked about all the symbolism, like the the drapes and like how she's getting that from her mother. Yes, and the symbol- yeah. There's stuff in here, but it just gets lost. That's honestly one of my favorite scenes where she... That's good stuff. So one of my favorite scenes is when she gets the curtains made into a dress and how Mammy is like, you're not taking your mother's drapes. And she's like, what is my mother going to do with them? Mm-hmm. I am in charge now. You're going to make me this dress. And I, I kind of liked the idea that she wore a little bit of her mother and her mother's kind of strength Yeah, that's into exactly town. what it was. It was like building on, yeah. upon the past and like taking that forward. But yeah. again, like if you analyze that scene, just like if you analyze the whole movie, it falls apart real quick. Because you're like, true. yeah, she's doing that. She's being practical and Getting her slave to make it as she goes to wear this dress so she could talk money out of a man who's in jail for killing a black man for talking to him wrong. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're back where we started. (laughs) Okay, well, that was Gone with the Wind. (laughs) Here, I'm going to give you guys a little behind the scenes of the show. When does this one come out? This is coming out on February 3rd. Okay. So my plan for my next movie was to do a romance because it would be coming out around Valentine's Day. Right. And then I thought we'll talk about our favorite three romantic movies. We had Gone with the Wind, which I thought was a romance. Turns out I was wrong. And then we would do mine. I think I was going to do Before Sunrise. Okay. Which is a um, a really charming, small romantic movie. You know what I'm going to do? February, also Black History Month. I'm dropping my romantic movie. <laughs> I'm going to find something with a black director, a black writer, and a black star. Blackula. Oh, shit. Blackula. <laughs> no, no. Blackenstein. Maybe. But either way, that's that's my promise to you, listening audience. So we'll talk about that and get the taste of Gone with the Wind out of our mouths. Unless you love it. it's A, a lot of people love this movie. I'm in the minority of not liking this one. So... But that's what we're going to talk about next. I'll think of which movie it's going to be, and we'll let you know next week. Sounds good. Can I give a shout out? Yeah. So my athlete, uh, Kira, who we gave Kira, who we gave a shout out to. I hear you doing good work, Kira. The Bring Keep It, it On episode. Uh, she says that she wants you to come in and give a team talk, and it oh, has shit. to include um, what were you talking about? Japan, China, <sighs> Russia. Oh, you're killing me. <laughs> I was talking about the protests in Hong Kong. Oh, okay. Which I guess China. Yeah, okay. So she says you should talk about that mm-hmm. and that she also wants you to make a Bring It On movie um, in the style that you were suggesting. Cheerpocalypse Now. Cheerpocalypse Now. All right. Well, let's see what we can do. On Kira is your biggest friend. Nice. I'll make sure you guys meet this year at a competition because <laughs> she's in grade 12, so she's going to graduate. I guess I should give a shout out. It turns out that everyone at my work listens to this. Oh. 
hi. I didn't realize that, but I would talk about things and then everyone would be like, yeah, we know. Hi, Lit Van people. Yeah. So um, I'm keep on uh, <laughs> driving them vans. Keep driving them vans. Maybe I hope you're they're listening, listening to this in a van. I was going to say, I hope they're listening in the van. Keep going, guys. You got this. Yeah. I don't know. Literacy matters. There we go. Literacy and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> We were so sleepy, but then we got all riled up, so now I'm, I'm ready to go. Oh, I'm ready to go to bed. Yeah, that's where I meant. Okay. Well, we will see you next week. I'll have my Black History Month pick of the week. I hope it's Blackula. Blackula's pretty good. We could just watch that right now. No, I can't watch it right now. We're going to bed. Yeah, we don't need to do all the social media. No. Find us. It's called I Love This, You Should Too. Let us know what you thought about this one, because this one was di- divisive. It was. I don't think we've argued this hard in a long time. No, but I actually argued back this time. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you can tell when you're upset because you go, I get what you're saying. <laughs> I'm trying to not be mad. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is good. I'm also trying not to take it personally. No, you Because made... I am not gone with the wind. <laughs> you are not, and you made very salient points. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well argued. I agreed with what she said, but just the outcome, it struck me differently. Yeah, then that's fine. Everybody watches things in a different way. That is why I love this, and sometimes you do too. Yeah, not this time. <laughs> that's okay. They can't all be bringing on one. They can't all be bringing on one. Bye, everyone. Go to bed. Have a good night. I don't love a rapist. You better cut that out.